You're listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast, recorded from the Everstwar Chapel Fine Arts Center in Mishawaka, Indiana. Thanks for listening. So much. And ancient history obviously stretches far back into the annals of time. And today I want to talk... uh, a little bit about the ancient history that uh, was the summer of 1977. <laughs> I was six years old that summer, and uh, there was a phenomenon sweeping across America that was just a force to be reckoned with. It was uh, everywhere as a six-year-old boy. It was on television. It was in the news. It was definitely amongst all of me and my six-year-old buddies. Uh, it was the $6 million man. And let me tell you what, the $6 million man was awesome. Like, he was the original superhero in my life. He was before all the Marvel folks and and all of the DC Comics people, and you can have your debates between you amongst which group is better, but the $6 million man topped them all. He was simply a NASA test pilot who had endured a terrible crash, and they had replaced various parts of his body's body with, with bionic stuff and robotic stuff, and, and he was cool. He made fun sounds when he ran. I would, I would copy those, but it would really embarrass me. And uh, it was just amazing, but it was so cool because they had all of the marketing stuff that went with it. They had the lunch boxes, but the one thing that I really, really wanted as six-year-old Kent was the action figure. Now, I have to point out to you, this was not a doll. This was an action figure. That's a very important distinction to be made. And I so wanted the $6 million man action figure. But I had no money. And I had loving parents who wanted to teach me a lesson because, you see, I had a little bit of a challenge in my life, as though growing up in a home with Dr. Koteski wasn't enough of a challenge. I had the challenge that for some reason as a kid, I always walked on my tiptoes. And everywhere I would walk, I would run everything I did. I was on my tiptoes 100% of the time. And my parents were concerned for my well-being. They took me to doctors. They checked me out. Everything worked fine physically. It was all in my head that I would walk on my toes. And my parents knew that was going to be a problem as I entered first grade because I had friends who would tease me relentlessly. Now, I do have to tell you that my friends tease me relentlessly about other things now, but back then, they really wanted me to get this beat before I got to first grade. And so they made me the deal. They said, if you can stay off of your tiptoes for a certain length of time, we will straight out buy you the $6 million man action figure. And so the event began. It was straight up parental bribery, I have no doubt about that. And I started into it and mom and dad kept catching me, Kent, you're on your toes again. The the clock starts over. Kent, you're on your toes again, the clock starts over. And I tried and I tried and I tried, but I just couldn't do it. And every time they would catch me, I had an excuse. And it always started with, but mom, I didn't, but dad, I didn't, but mom, but, and there was always that one little word, but. And that word but kept getting in the way time after time after time. Today we're going to talk about but. And we're going to talk about my but. And we're going to talk about your but. 
And my whole goal by the end of today is to encourage you to get your butt out of God's way, okay? Here we go, turn with me to Numbers chapter 13 if you have your word with you. If not, we'll put it up here on the screen as well. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole Israelite assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified, and they're very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. So the Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, So what? He says, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread amongst the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the very same to them. Now let's stop for just a second and build the context for where we're pulling this story out of Numbers 13 this morning. God has promised this particular land to his people for generations. He says, I created this with you in mind. This is where I want you to go. He's shown himself to be faithful to them countless times in the past. He's just led them out of slavery in a fairly spectacular fashion. They are literally on the threshold of the land where God has told them for generations, this is going to be your home. But then we face that three-letter word, but, but. It's a tiny little word. If you look at it, just three little letters. But it changes everything. God says, I'm going to be with you. I have built this for you in mind. The spies go and they see it, and they report about how amazing and awesome it is. And then they say, but we shouldn't go there. Today, we're going to talk about what happens when we say, but... To God. We got three little steps that happen. It's a progression that happens. And if we don't stop it before it starts, all of a sudden we're in for a world of hurt. First of all, when we say but to God, we start to point out the problems. And I don't know if you're uh, anything like me, but uh, left to my own nature, I can point out a lot of problems. I'm, I'm almost a professional problem pointer outer. In fact, it's a little bit about my job. Uh, I am an executive pastor. It means that I do buildings and budgets and staffing and whatever the senior pastor tells me to do. But it's really my job to tell the youth pastors, no, we can't duct tape a kid to the wall. And no, we shouldn't be throwing stuff off of the top of the building. I mean, I was a youth pastor when I first started, and now I'm on the other side of things. So it's kind of my job to point out the problems and to help us find good solutions. But as, as great of an illustration as, as myself is in pointing out problems, um, there's, there's probably a better illustration I could share with you. 
As has been mentioned, uh, I'm, I'm dad to a daughter who attends Bethel University. And, and I don't know if you've ever been in a discussion with my daughter, a discussion where she's decided she is going to be right. Oh man, just get ready. Because she will point out all of the problems in your arguments. She will help you understand the folly of your ways. And I couldn't be prouder of her because she's just like me. I mean, you should see it when Shelby and I want to go toe-to-toe on something. It's amazing. But you know what? A lot of the people that God has used to advance his kingdom in biblical times, in, in current times, a lot of those people were professional pointer-outers. And they had the, the audacity to stand and say, wait a second, let's think this thing through. We see it right there in the story. We went into the land. It does flow with milk and honey. It sounds sticky. Um, They go on from there, and they they continue to talk about it. And they said, "But, but, but all the people there are big, and they're powerful, and the cities are strong. And what should have been a moment of awe at what their creator has planned for them becomes a moment of anxiety. And they say, oh, we can't do this. We, 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 there's too much fear involved here. If you get down to it, they say, well, God's not big enough to follow through on his promises to us. Now, we do have to give the people credit here. The spies have been gone for 40 days. 40 days is a long time to not hear from someone. 40 minutes is a long time to not hear from somebody. If I were to stop talking right now for 40 seconds, it would get really uncomfortable in this room. So 40 days is a long time. But honestly, when we begin to point out the problems in God's plan, we can fairly quickly convince ourselves that God's best plan isn't going to be good enough for me. When we focus in on pointing out the problems, the second step that comes is devastating. And when we continue to tell God, but, and we continue down that line of thinking, suddenly we begin to overestimate the obstacles that lie out there ahead of us. In the passage we read, they spread among the Israelites all of these lies. The land devours those living in it. All of the people are huge and massive, and there's no way we could do it. And we start to look at all of the things that God has laid out for us, and we wind up with a broken guesstimator. We wind up with the wrong lens, and we see everything wrong. Now, I know a little bit about approaching obstacles, have you met my brother? I grew up under his tutelage, basically, in our home. It was a fabulous upbringing. But there are obstacles that get out there ahead of all of us. And when God calls us to do something, he says, hey, I've got this assignment for you. I put you together from the beginning of time on purpose for this purpose. When we say, but God... We get all of these obstacles out of line. Let's let's look at the obstacles that lay in front of his people who are standing on the threshold of the promised land at this point. 
God has shown up for them time and time again in the past. Um, We see fire and clouds and quail and manna and all of these different things. He split the sea for them. They've had a pretty significant dose of God's strength in their favor. And he's given them promises time and time again of the way that he will be with them if they will just step out and go. This is sort of like the the perfect Hollywood moment, if you will. I mean, imagine it. There are literally millions of people gathered. They are ready to go in. You can almost feel the, 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 the intense music building in the background as they're standing there. They're all standing there looking at their leaders. We are ready to go. Maybe we shouldn't after all, guys. This isn't a really great idea. They've seen what happened to the spies who went into the land for 40 days. Those guys went in there with a fear of their God, and they went in to spy it all out. And when they came back out of that land, they no longer feared their God. They feared everything but their God. Oh, the cities are just too big. Oh, no, 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 no. The the people are just too large and powerful. They had brought out with them, you've you've seen those classic pictures of this moment, that time where the guys are are carrying the big pole between their shoulders, and and on it is this massive cluster of grapes, like a human-sized cluster of grapes. And what should have been for them a, a moment of intoxicating excitement It became a moment of incapacitating fear for them. They froze in place when they got to that point. They had told God, we trust you, but we don't trust you enough. They pointed out all the problems. They overestimated all of the obstacles. And in the end, after they told God, but one more time, They simply delayed the desired result. We didn't read it, but in the very next chapter of Numbers, but as for you, God says, your bodies will fall in this wilderness. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness, until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness. For 40 years, one year for each of the 40 days you explored the land, you will suffer for your sins. And it's hard to read that passage And not feel like God's saying, all right, I am the angry dad who is going to punish you. But I want to encourage you to back up from that initial reaction and instead see it through the eyes of a loving father who longs to give good gifts to his children. His greatest goal was that his children would be obedient to him. And that obedience would trigger a shower of blessings that he longed to give to them. I really want you to see that this is the, the, the broken-hearted father who says, I am so ready to give you this, just go. But the problem is, their butts got in the way. So I got to tell you, um, the deal that I had with my parents for the $6 million man action figure, not the doll, I could never make it. I would get so deep into the, the, into the little contest, and then I would hear mom say, Kent, you're on your toes again. It went on for months. 
And my parents just longed to bless me. They wanted me to have that action figure. They they wanted to make good on their parental bribery deal with me. I got to tell you, because of my butt, I could never make good on the deal. But I also have to tell you, I finally got the action figure. And this is actually the very action figure. For some reason, after all of these years, I've moved it to like six different houses and four different cities we've lived in, and he just hangs out in my garage at this point. I didn't get him because I got my butt out of the way. I got him for my birthday the summer before I started first grade. I had delayed the desired result that my parents had for me. Because I kept saying, but, and but, and but. Today, my question for you is simple. When we, when we start to talk about getting our butts out of God's way, my question is very easy for you. What is your but? What is God talking to you about right now, or what does God typically talk to you about? And you come back with, oh, but God. Oh, but God. What is the but? For some of you, you instantly know what it is. You had that right in your mind as soon as I asked that question. And for some of you, your days are are winding to a close here at Bethel University, and you're about to step out into the world where God plans for you to be, and he's got great plans to use you, and some of you are still saying, oh, but God. What's your but? And then what will it take to get your butt out of God's way and simply move on? It's a struggle. I get it. It's hard. When God comes to me, I'm like any human being. And my first reaction a lot of times is to say, oh, but God. But I'm slowly learning over time that the struggle is is not so much a struggle. I love this quote from Elizabeth Elliot. A whole lot of what we call struggling is simply delayed obedience. A whole lot of what we call struggling is simply delayed obedience. We know what God's calling us to do. We know that we shouldn't respond back with but, however we still do. And we say, oh, I'm just struggling through it. I'll get there. No, it's not struggle. It's just delayed obedience. And as my lead pastor at my church always reminds us, delayed obedience is still disobedience. What is the but? I want to share with you in closing about a friend of mine who, uh, who got her butt out of the way. Her name's Candy, and uh, several years ago, I was leading a mission trip to Guatemala, and uh, I was praying my way through that as the team leader, trying to figure out who does God have to go with us? And for some reason, Candy kept coming to mind. And I said to God, but God, she's 63 years old and a grandmother. What could she possibly do? in Guatemala, and God kept saying, no, you got to ask her, you got to ask her. So I stopped her in the hall one day at church, and I said, Candy, will you go to Guatemala with us? And I said, I, I don't need an answer right now, I just need you to pray about it, and she said, I'll go. And I said, well, well I just said, I don't need you uh, to tell me right now, I, I need you to pray about this thing, like, I just need to know in a week or so, no, I'll go. 
I said, Candy, how do you know that so fast? And she said, um, and I wrote it down here to make sure I got it right, I don't need to pray about it. I ask God to make me more bold. I just need to get my butt out of his way. She's 63 years old, gang. That was six years ago. And she knew how to get her butt out of the way. The really cool thing is yesterday morning at church, she was working at the coffee counter and I went up and said, Candy, I'm going to talk about you in front of a bunch of people tomorrow. And I was just embarrassing her completely when I told her what I was going to talk about. And, and, and yesterday was kind of a special day at Hope Church. Um, it was baptism service. And occasionally our, our lead pastor will just throw it open and say, hey, if you want to be baptized today, even if you weren't planning on it, uh, we're ready. We've got clothes for you to change into. We've got towels. Just come. Candy Neuenschwander, at 69 years old, stepped into the baptismal tank yesterday. And after the service, we ran up and hugged her. And, and I said, Candy, what happened? And she said, I had to get that butt out of God's way. Gang, my biggest goal today is to put that little seed in your mind. Get your butt out of God's way. And if we could start to learn that now, the next butt falls even easier and the next butt falls even easier and they just keep falling down until you're standing fully surrendered to be used by him. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for these students. I thank you for the fact that they care. I thank you that right now your spirit is speaking to hearts and God, I pray that you would continue to keep pushing on that butt so that each and every one of us together can remember to get our butt out of your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Excellent. Thank you, Ken, so much. Thanks for listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast and get more information at chapel.betheluniversity.edu or check us out on the iTunes store by searching for Bethel University Chapel.